My friends, will you please bow your heads with me as we go to God's mighty throne? Father of grace, Father of mercy, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Open our hearts to your word, to your majesty, to your glory. In Jesus' strong name we pray, amen. So in our sermon series, we have seen and we've heard how various people in the Bible bear witness to God's character, to his love and his power. And today marks the last week before the season of Advent leading up to Christmas. So it seems appropriate that we would look it to Jesus in this sermon and how perhaps we can begin to grasp how the Father is glorious, how Jesus bears witness to the glory of the Father. He tells us in John's gospel that when we see him, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And throughout the gospels, Jesus is continually pointing to God, to the coming of his kingdom, to his magnificent glory. But it's a real challenge to describe God's glory adequately in words. In the New Testament, there's a Greek word for glory. It's called doxa. Doxa is a root word in our English for the word doxology, that hymn that we sing. And while glory in human terms brings honor or fame or admiration. In divine terms, this is adoring praise. This is worshiping thankfully. And so when we say, give all the glory to God, it's that kind of word in the Greek. God's glory is this unspoken manifestation of the Lord. It's his splendor his beauty, his brilliance, his magnificence, his grandeur and majesty. Nearing the end of his earthly life, Jesus prays aloud the high priestly prayer. It's in John 17. He prays for himself and then for his disciples and then for all believers. So in this particular sermon, I'm going to read portions of the prayer. And as always, you are welcome to read John 17 in your Bible or on your app. But today, today I encourage you to feast your eyes on the pictures that will be up on the screens. Imagine God's glory shining and glowing while you simply listen to my voice as I read these passages in John 17. Allow for your senses of sight and sound to take in God's holy word. Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people so that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, 
that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The time has come. Jesus' earthly life and mission culminates at the cross. Jesus' life is devoted to God such that in his sacrificial death, God will raise him to the majestic throne of glory. And this honor and splendor come to Jesus alone, by God alone. Jesus bears witness to God's glory in yielding his life to the Father in death on a cross. And through this faithful obedience by our Savior, everyone may recognize God's glory in a demonstration of redeeming power and love. Jesus faithfully completes the work on earth. He goes to death. Jesus is doing what he was meant to do, taking on the sins of the world so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. The time has come for Jesus to rejoin his father's side in heaven with brilliance and grandeur. So Jesus prays for himself that God will glorify him, restore him, to enjoy his father magnificently as he did long ago prior to creation. So the Greek word for glory, this doxa, it helps us imagine praising God with adoration, to worship him with thanksgiving in our hearts. And in those pictures, you could see how God's glory does radiate as the unspoken manifestation of the Lord. To gaze upon God with these photos, it helps us when words prove less than adequate to grasp this glorification that Jesus prays for himself. Also, we can look to the Old Testament and the Hebrew for additional help with this word glory. The word there is kabod, and it actually means to be heavy. And it attempts to convey this intensity of God's infinite worth, his substance, or you might think his essence. So if you think about an example in Psalm 19, verse one, it exclaims, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So the heavens are telling the glory of God with intensity across a bright blue sky and extensive clouds tinged in gold and vivid colors painted on the horizon. So with this biblical Hebrew description in mind, again, use your senses, your imagination to see God's word this time as I read a little further along in John 17. Jesus now prays for his disciples saying, I pray for them. 
I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them, through my disciples. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus has been sent to these disciples by God. And in this prayer, our Savior intercedes on behalf of these men whom he called out of the world and into service. Jesus revealed God's name and his nature to them. And he shared with them the intensity of God's infinite worth. In the culmination of three years ministry, Jesus does bear witness to God's glory, his substance, his essence. And this sacrificial work on his part This is going to continue to serve on after his death and it guides the disciples to help the church fulfill her calling to continue the mission of the Lord, to go and make disciples and to do so to the very ends of the earth. So Jesus is glorified through his disciples and that glory comes to him from the Father. All Jesus has belongs to God and all God has belongs to Jesus. They are united, Father and Son. So Jesus prays that his disciples may be one. And this unity glorifies Jesus as Jesus glorifies our great God. So the Old Testament word for glory, meaning to be heavy. This helps us a little more with the intensity of God's intrinsic nature, his infinite worth. And these pictures, again, they conveyed a graphic manner that's sometimes difficult to express verbally. God's glory proclaimed by the heavens. So let's dive a little deeper. There's another Hebrew word that was used back in the day by some Jews and by some Christ followers to describe the presence of God in all his glory. This Hebrew word, Shekinah, it means the dwelling of God. And the Bible alludes to this Shekinah glory in texts like Isaiah 60, where it says, God will rise and shine upon you, that his bright glory will shine on you a light for all to see. And in other texts like Matthew 17, when Jesus took Peter and John and James and he led them up a high mountain where he was transfigured before them and they saw his glory and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just as Jesus interceded on behalf of his disciples, he was praying for their unity. So he prays on our behalf 
in this last portion that I'll read to you from John 17. So feast your eyes once again on some more pictures of God's radiant light. Imagine his glory. Listen to my voice. As Jesus prays for believers saying, my prayer is not for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the disciples' message, that all believers may be one Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So this Shekinah radiance, it helps us to describe the presence of God in all his glory. Another example of this comes to us in Exodus 34. When Moses has been on Mount Sinai, he's received the stone tablets from God and his face was exposed to this Shekinah so very brilliant that it was too much for the Hebrew people to behold. And for a time actually, Moses wore this veil covering his face. Oh, hold that thought. Moses wears a veil. It's too much for God's people. If you recall from our sermon series on Revelation, this Shekinah glory of Jesus Christ was unveiled to John. The book of Revelation reveals a striking picture of the Lord in all of his magnificent glory. Listen to this from Revelation 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. This Shekinah glory expresses the majestic and the brilliant presence of the Father the Son, or the Holy Spirit. And today I'm showing you these pictures in an attempt to somehow convey God's glory in an effort to stir your senses in an opportunity to gaze upon God. Describing God's glory only with words just seems so inadequate as only our Savior can bear witness to God's terrific 
and excellent glory. The life and death of Jesus Christ proclaims that the Father is the one true God. Jesus' earthly ministry demonstrates the adoration and the acknowledgement of who God is, that he is worthy to be praised, that he is due all of our honor and all of our glory. Therefore, to know Jesus the Son is to know God the Father, to know the way for eternal life. Having eternal life is based on having a relationship with God. And when we have a personal relationship with our creator, that endeavor is life-giving. That experience overflows from us by the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus Christ with one other, someone. Part of my calling here at First Pres is in discipleship, and you know how much I love that part of my time here. We've worked really hard this year to offer opportunities every single day of the week to be in God's word. Some are here on campus, some are in people's homes, some are online by Zoom. The other side of my calling here at First Pres is spiritual formation. And that's to teach you ways that you can grow closer and closer to God in prayer practices. So I invite you today at home to gaze at God at his work, at his holy word. Intentionally look and listen for him in today's sermon passage in John 17. First, make a quiet time and a space. Get comfortable, take your shoes off, place yourself in the presence of God. Next, pray. Ask God to show you Jesus. Ask our great God if you might see Jesus praying for himself, praying for his disciples, and then praying for you. Ask to be in this tender, intimate priestly prayer as a witness to Jesus speaking to his heavenly father. And then open your Bible Go to John chapter 17 and read it all out loud to hear Jesus speaking to you. Mull it over in your mind, ponder it in your heart and then practice it again. Gaze at God again tomorrow and again and again. What a sweet gift to know that the savior of the world has already lifted you up to his father, that he desires to show you the glory of God and that you can trust that one day you will witness this magnificent Shekinah glory, the glory of the Lord, amen. Can I tell them what you just did? So um, some of you may be familiar with what's called Lectio Divina. It's divine reading. There's also Audio Divina, divine listening. What you just did was Visio Divina. It's divine seeing. It's learning how to read and listen and use our senses and focus them on what God is trying to communicate to us because we can get so lost in what's happening 
in the world. So she just took you through a spiritual formation practice of Visio, Visio Divina, uh, which is really awesome. And I love that you used all the sunsets and sunrises. Um, as we were going through it, it made me think of, some of you know we spent two years uh, living in Amarillo. And did y'all know, you may not know this, when you live in a place that's not surrounded by tall pine trees, did you know that you can see the sun rise and set? You can actually see it before noon. It's crazy. So like every day, <laughs> the kids, it drove them nuts. Every day we're driving wherever we're driving and we're like, oh, look at the sun. And the kids are like, oh my gosh. If y'all talk about the sun one more time. So they're probably grateful that we're in Kingwood surrounded by the trees now. But it did remind me that, uh, so some mornings, like, you know, we'll have a weather, like, you know, on the drive to work today, it's traffic, there's weather, whatever. In Amarillo, literally there were sun warnings. Like between this time, the sun is gonna be so bright on the horizon that driving is actually dangerous. So like we would get warnings that that's a really dangerous time to drive and it was true. If you're driving and you're in a street where you can see the sun, it literally was blinding. So those pictures just reminded me as we went through it, it just reminded me one of just how beautiful, I mean the colors, it is amazing. But also, it's a little dangerous. Like that glory, that Shekinah, that Kavod, it's heavy. And it's weighty, it matters. And when we come here, this is no light practice of coming to worship and just hearing some songs and listening to a message. Like we literally believe that we are coming before the foot of the cross, that we are coming into the presence of God and we are here to have an experience where we do meet God. It's a heavy thing. And when we gather together, we should take that really seriously. So I wanna lead us through a prayer, a little bit of back and forth prayer as we've been doing. And uh, last week, uh, we had a minute where I invited you guys just to say some words out loud about how awesome God is. Uh, and it, it went pretty well, right? I mean, y'all, I thought it went really, I thought it went really well. Uh, you guys whispered a few words and that was great. So I'm gonna invite you to do it again today. Uh, we'll read through a couple things together. And then I'm gonna invite you to just say things that might remind you of the glory of God. And whoever goes first gets to say sunsets or sunrises. So, um, so I'm not gonna repeat what you said. You just gotta say it loud enough for everybody to hear. If nobody says anything, that's fine. It's not a failure. Just wanna give you guys an opportunity to respond. All right, fair enough? Awesome, so let's read this together. Gracious God, we come to worship you today. We come to sing, pray, and listen. You always hear us. Help us to hear you. So take just a moment as we listen to God, as we reflect on his glory. And if you feel so led, just say out loud something in everyday life, something on this planet that reveals to you how amazing God is. What I love about hearing y'all say things out loud is when knowing you and knowing the things about your life, like to hear Sarah say oceans, that's a girl who swims with sharks. Do y'all know that? She swims with great white sharks. <laughs> so of course she's gonna see God's glory in creation that way. But it's just a way to remind us that in our everyday lives, the things that we are naturally bent toward, that God will reveal himself to us in those things. And hallelujah for that. Let's continue as we do this and pray uh, together, uh, unison, this prayer of confession. Let us confess our sin before God and one another. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sins the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit there is no deceit. Lord, we acknowledge our sins to you and we do not hide our iniquity. Let all who are faithful now offer prayer to you. And we take this time silently to come before the Lord in silent confession. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I hear this word 
this assurance that God does hear our prayers and God does forgive as soon as it comes up on the screen. Oh, we don't do that in this service, do we? Do we do that in the service? Do we do the assurance? Hear the good news. You are forgiven. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm new to this. Let's continue to pray. God, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for the beauty that you reveal yourself to us in creation and in all things. We are grateful that you call us together to worship, to bask in your glory, to reflect on it, to feel the weight of it, and to carry it with us as we go out into the world. So Lord, as a family, as one people, we pray together the prayer that you taught us as we say our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen.